We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hey, hey. If y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna freeze. Uh, wait. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Points in the Pain podcast, the R Stadium's NBA number one NBA podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You know who I am. I'm Zach Bazerhouse, and I'm always in the house. Ben, what's up, man? Man, we got through Super Bowl weekend, and honestly, I am really into the Super Bowl and then the next week having the NBA All-Star Game. Because it used to be you'd have the Super Bowl, and then you'd have maybe a week or two even before the NBA All-Star Game. But you're going Super Bowl, next weekend All-Star Game. Like, I'm, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, and all the celebrities, they just go to back-to-back weekend parties, right? They just <laughs> go, go from, from LA Super Bowl to, party to Cleveland. and All-Star Weekend party. But, and yeah, that is a huge difference from LA to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. That is or a Cleveland. major difference. <laughs> you got, you got the celebs who are used to partying out in LA for the weekend for the Super Bowl, and then you got to Cleveland, and it's like, ooh. You got two clubs, one club maybe. I, I haven't been clubbing in Cleveland, but I assume there's one, maybe two. No, it's probably more than that. You know, it's a Cleveland major city, you know, so they probably do their thing out there in Cleveland. Shout out to the two one six. I'm on, I'm on the Joe Keep Noah level of Cleveland understanding. It's like, you know, why do people? Why do they have hotels? Who vacations in Cleveland? Type of thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but Zach, I think we're doing well. We're we're having fun. We got uh, some fun guests on the podcast. Yes, we, we got two double sized episode mm-hmm. for today. We got. Cam Smith coming on, our buddy from Inside the Association, live on the line. He's going to be talking to us all about the All-Star game. So we're going to save all our NBA weekend All-Star talk for our interview with Cam. And then, of course, we talked to Spencer Davies about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Got a little Oklahoma City and Josh Giddy talk in there. Sprinkled in there just a little bit. Just a little bit. We're really talking about the players and the teams that not a lot of people are talking about. So a lot on the Cavs, a lot on OKC. Spencer's always great, friend of the pod. So. It went well. Yes, it did. Keep it in 94. Make sure you listen to that. Spencer's on that, holding it down, you mm-hmm. know, and make sure you subscribe to us, of course, yep. you know, Points in the Paint oh, Podcast, yeah. wherever you get your podcast, 773-273-9088 for, you know, give us your hottest take, you know, leave that voicemail, you know, we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from we y'all. Do. We'd love to hear from people, love to hear from the Points and the Painters, because it's been a fun February, it's been a fun January in the NBA. And the one big thing is we get into the one big thing of the week, Zach. Just one thing. One thing. It has to be the James Harden trade, the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade. And everyone knows the details, so we don't have to get into the details. But obviously it happened. James Harden today was talking at the podium to the Philadelphia media and was talking about how he wants to play with winners and he liked playing. He wants to play with Joel Embiid and 
yada, 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 Zach. I'm sick and tired, (laughs) sick and tired of James Harden. And I was, I was denying him on our podcast last week, talking about how he needs to stop whining. And then he finally gets traded and he still whines and he's just still just an extremely annoying person to watch (laughs) and to be a fan of. It's just everything that surrounds him is just never good. Never, nothing's ever good enough. He's playing with Kyrie. He's playing with Durant. Apparently, that's not good enough for him. He wants to play with winners. So he goes into Philadelphia. Now he's going to be playing with Joel Embiid, a guy who's been scoring 40 points every single night. Like, who knows what that's going to do to his production? Who knows how that's going to feel for James Harden to play with a guy like that who's so ball dominant? I don't understand it, man. I really don't. It's it's truly been annoying me to no end. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you ain't you don't like this trade. It looked like one bit. Oh. And- and that's fine, right? <laughs> it's okay because a lot of stuff happens that we don't want to happen. I mean, I didn't really want Seth Curry to be a part of that trade because I felt like he was doing very well underneath his uh, father-in-law, Doc Rivers, out there in Philly. Yeah. So, you know, I was really upset that Daryl Morey had to let him go. And Ben Simmons going over there, a lot of people feel like that's going to, you know, really put them over the top because he can pass and get Kyrie involved and get KD involved and find the open shooters and this and that. But I just don't know if it will still be enough when it's all said and done because Kyrie's still a part-time player. He is. Something you alluded to with James Harden and like not really wanting to play with Kyrie or KD. Well, Kyrie was only playing half the time. So if he was, you know, and the report that you, you know, a few weeks ago that you had mentioned from our good friend, Sam, Sam Quinn about how he was expecting to not have a, you know, such a huge load on that team, James Harden. And so that looked like it wasn't the case because you got KD who's, Maybe not injury prone, but he's had two injuries, you know, that's put him out of the lineup over the course of the last two years. And then you look at Kyrie standing on what he wants to stand on in terms of his vaccination status. So you have all that piling up, Ben. It's it's incredibly weird to see how there was issues. It seems like because according to that Bleacher Report article that came out on Tuesday, as we record, that's today that there was issues with Harden and Durant. They clearly had some miscommunication. They weren't talking to each other. They were being passive aggressive with each other. And if you're, t- if you tell me Kevin Durant's being passive aggressive, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 100% fits what the type <laughs> of person Kevin Durant is. I completely understand that. And then it seemed like Harden probably had some issues with Kyrie Irving and it was probably because of his vaccination status. So there was issues all around. You're going to, there, the team was relying on Patty Mills for a lot of its points. You lose Joe Harris to injuries, who turns out is so much more important to that team than I think a lot of people expected. It was just a mess. And it's understandable that the team needed to go in a different direction and move people around, but Man, it just seems like wherever Harden goes, there's always issues. Drama. Always Mm. drama, always issues. And you know what the most important part of all that is? Wherever he goes, team doesn't win. The team does not win. They barely get get to the finals. They're not winning NBA titles. It's just... Put it out there. This would be fine if this was like Steph Curry doing something like this. I mean, even Durant doing something like this because they're proven winners. They they have been on winning teams. They have winning attitudes. They, They have winning culture, but... Harden is the opposite. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't really proved to be a good teammate. He hasn't really proved to be a person who you want on your team in the locker room and being a representative of the organization. None of those are true of James Harden. He he gets fat. 
He goes to strip clubs, which is fine in and of itself, but he does that on like game nights. And in this article, he was showing up late to games, going out to clubs after games where, where the team was going to their next opponent and Harden was going to Vegas. Like who wants someone like that on their team? And then he has the, the gall to come out today and say, I wanted to be on a team full of winners. Oh, Come yeah, you, on, man. Oh, yeah, you hot. Yeah, man. you hotter than lava. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you feeling I'm some sick type and tired of way. Man. Yeah, no, you feeling some type of way. And that's funny. That's very funny because there is a, you know, an enormous amount of pressure on James Harden now to really get it done for Philadelphia 76ers to come out the East, you know, to, to beat that team that may now become a rivalry out there in Brooklyn. So yeah. it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Eastern Conference unfolds with Ben Simmons now being in Brooklyn and James Harden being in Philly with an MVP candidate like Joel Embiid. You mentioned the ball dominance of James Harden. Man, listen, you better not get in the way of Joel Embiid right now and how he, how well he's playing. But I also think the self, like he's not selfish. You know what I'm saying? Uh, James Harden on the basketball floor, I'll give him that. He's not a selfish player and he does get, he likes to get other guys involved and he's one of the league leaders in assists right now too. So, you know what I'm saying? I give him that, but I definitely want to see it, you know, take him take the load off of Joel Embiid and they can take the load off each other because that's kind of what James Harden was looking for, you know what I'm saying? In, in all this anyway. And he was looking to go to Philly too. I'd even push back on the fact that he's not a selfish player because I think when he wants to be at his peak, he's an unselfish player. He can he can move the ball. He can pass it around. He can play a wide-open offense. But there are times, and you've watched enough James Harden to know oh, this, yeah, when he know. doesn't want to be somewhere, when he doesn't really feel the game is, is winnable, you, he'll check mm, out. He'll check mm-hmm, out defensively. He'll facts. check out offensively. That, to me, can be – that is pretty selfish. And, and he'll get the assist at his best, again. One of the best scorers in the NBA, of course. No one's denying that. He's an incredible basketball player when he wants to be. But there's a lot of times where he's just like, I, I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. And he's shown that in his attitude on the court. And according to this article from Bleacher Report, he's showing up late to games, even when he's hurt. He's not being with the team when they want to be. It's just a constant thing where you're just like, man, what what are you doing? You, you have the attitude of someone who've won like six finals, but you haven't won one. You or been a, well, you only been a single one. one. <laughs> so it's just like, one. I'm done. And can we transition into prison time? Right to jail. Because do you know who I'm throwing in NBA prison, Zach? I think you should know by now. I think everyone should know by now, but it's James Harden. I threw a funny Russell Westbrook in prison, the bearded one. He's going into NBA prison. Lock him up. Throw away the key. So two I don't think I'm even going to let players. you get out of jail free card. I can't uh, use that on him today. <laughs> two Oklahoma, two former Oklahoma City players. Yeah. When we just we we talked to Spence and we talked about how good they're doing and you know Josh Kitty. But we just going to throw the two, the originals, you know, that really oh, set geez. the tone for the Thunder, you know, back in the day. We just locking them up because they've been divas yeah. ever since. Huh? They just haven't yeah. gotten it done. <laughs> no, they've been gone. Honestly, you look at Russell Westbrook and Harden and you're like, you have to choose one. I'm doing wet Russ 10 times out of 10. 10 times out of 10. Effort. Because Effort. at least Russ cares. Yeah, yep. at least he cares. Effort. He's someone who cares about winning and losing and he's going to be a good teammate to you. Harden. I, I don't see that in him. So NBA prison, James Harden, get out of here. Go. <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. Who are you? Who else you, got, you got a person you're throwing in. Yeah, this I am. It's interesting. And, oh, you want me to, oh, so, okay. So you want me to tell the people because it's interesting because of who it is. That's why yeah, okay, I do. All right, you all right. gotta you take, take, right. you know, take responsibility for this one. Okay. And I am because okay. even though he did come off a little nice game where he had like eight threes or whatever, that's fine. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? That's cute. But Wardell, we're going back to it again, bro. Wardell, Stephen Curry, Wardell. 
Stephen, Stephen Curry, <laughs> bro, oh, he no. gotta get locked up, bro. Cause I'm, oh, no. okay, I'm tired. Okay. I'm over it. Okay. Summer Walker's still over it. Okay. Like, ain't nobody got time to this be. This is like a short term sentence. Over and over. <laughs> losing money over and over again. Betting on the greatest shooter yeah. of all time, bro. I'm betting yeah. on the greatest shooter of all time. And, bro, you can't make. Three and, a, three and a half threes. You can't make four. You're the greatest shooter ever, bro. How do you go one for eight? How do you go one for eight, bro? If you're the greatest shooter, what, like, what's going on? We're like, and granted, I saw that Clay Thompson. He went off against the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? That was good to see. Built that confidence up as the season yep. continues. But Wardell has just been struggling. You know, I ain't calling him Steph until he get, until he get back right or I can win some money off of him. Whichever one comes first. You know what I'm saying? Cause it seems like what I'm about 0 for 8, 0 for 9 with your mans and I just came by a basket. 0 for 9 with the go shooter. What's up? He gotta go. He gotta be in there with two other guys. So we got three players sitting in there. Yeah. <laughs> <Looking> crazy. <laughs> so you're, you're calling him by his complete. For first Wardell. legal name now, Government. Wardell Stephen Curry. He did the, yeah, Wardell. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love how you turned the segment into just your personal vendetta for guys who aren't winning you bets. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things about go. it. <laughs> man, bro, the, bro, the greatest shooter, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, you, Fair enough. you gotta, you know what I'm saying? You like, gotta be on. better. You gotta be better. You gotta do better. Now, his brother. The other night, you know what I'm saying? He came out well. first game with the, you know what I'm saying, with the Nets. He go out there and win you a couple dollars. You know what I'm saying? Take his overhand <laughs> points and he did what he was supposed to do. Nah, nah, good bro, big bro, whoever the oldest, I don't know, but Wardell need to get his act together for sure. All right. There's one more team <laughs> that I want to throw in prison. And I think everyone will be okay with this one in NBA prison will be the New York Knickerbockers, <laughs> the New York Knicks. Oh my God, are they embarrassing in a very funny way for me as not as a non Knicks fan. It's hysterical. And they lose to OKC in overtime at home. <laughs> what are you doing? You are a 11, 11 point favorite. They were. And you, and you lose at Madison Square Garden to a team with a teenager as their best player. Starting, starting, starting that, and that night, you know, he was yeah. the best player starting that night was 19 for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he did his thing out there in the garden. Second triple double. Ooh, that boy gonna be nice. He's so, bro, he's so young, Ben. He's so yeah. young. He got Love a Josh nice, Giddy. got a high IQ. You know, say, can push the ball up the floor, man. I, I like me some Josh Giddy, man. Cause I, at first, Ben, I'll be quite honest with you. A lot of people know this too in my, in my inner circles as it relates to NBA basketball. The rookies coming in, being I think we talked about this a little bit before, but I wasn't really too sold on them at first. All of them. Jalen Green. I mean, I, I was a fan of Evan because at USC, he was able to show me something. But yeah. Cade, you know, he was streaky at Oklahoma State, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, we don't really get our eyes on the Josh Giddies of the world because, you know, they may maybe overseas or in the G League. So we may not get the, you know what I'm saying, the glimpse that we may need as opposed to if you go to college. So the Jalen Greens and the Jonathan Kamingas, who's played well as of late, too. He's done well, has, yeah. Has played exceptionally well. The Scotty Barnes. I did like Scotty in high school, but Florida State, his role was a little weird. I didn't know how he was going to translate to the NBA. But, man, these guys have played some good basketball this year. Shout out to Josh Giddy for handling the New York Knicks the way yeah. that he did. He said, I love the garden after the game. And, listen, everybody love the garden because it's the Knicks. And you can it's the easiest place to play. The Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Knicks have lost eight of their last ten. They're 12th in the Eastern Conference. They just look terrible. People are finally starting to call for Tom Thibodeau to be fired. And Tibbs going to yeah. Tib. 
yeah, he's 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 pretty much done right now in the eyes of a lot of NBA fans. Julius Randle's been playing terribly, requesting a trade. You know, it's just the team's bad. The team is really, really bad. James Dolan probably needs to sell the team if he wants to make Knicks fans happy. Don't know if he's going to do that, but not going to do it. As an outside observer, hysterical, absolutely hysterical to see what's happening (laughs) with the New York Knicks. I just feel so bad for Knicks fans, but I I think a lot of them at this point are just immune to the fact that the Knicks are suck. They're a terrible, terrible Mm. basketball team. They may not Um, say that out loud, though. They might not. uh, Probably not. All right, before we get to the interviews, uh, quick dunk or deny. I'm going to dunk with DeMar DeRozan, Zach. My guy on the Bulls has been playing his butt off. Debo. Seven straight games, 30-plus points. Two games with 40-plus points in that stretch. The man has firmly planted himself as probably third in the MVP race, in my opinion. Okay. You got Jokic, you got Embiid, you got DeMar DeRozan. He's just played phenomenal basketball. He's kept the Bulls afloat while Zach Levine has been injured, while Alonzo Ball has been injured, while Alex Caruso has been injured. And DeMar DeRozan's just balling, Zach. Guess what? That's all he's been doing. Seven straight games, 30-plus points. No one can guard him. Bringing back the mid-range shot. The Bulls have played well and stayed afloat, at least in the Eastern Conference, while he's been doing that. They have, let's see, they have won seven of their last ten. They're on a four-game win streak. Second in the East. Mm -hmm. Second in the East. You know, he's he's just brought everything to the table. And this is the best basketball we've seen DeMar DeRozan play in his career. So it makes sense why he's third in the MVP voting, at least in my eyes. So I'm going to be dunking with DeMar DeRozan. You're dunking with a team. Oh, yeah, definitely dunking with a team this week. Shout out to them boys down there, man. We're up there, you know, in Massachusetts. Out there. You know, wearing that green, (laughs) wearing that green and white. You know, the Boston Celtics, man, they are playing exceptionally well as of late. They're finally getting it together. And this is a team I believe we've denied a few times this season. But as of late, eight in a row, they're doing a great job on defense. It's the defense as of late. Udoka yeah. got them boys blocking in on defense. Marcus Smart is going to lead the way without question. We know he's going to be all defense. There's no question about that. But Derek White coming over to this team from the San Antonio Spurs. Remember, we talked about it. They need a guard. Now, I was, ups- I was upset being they got rid of Dennis Schroeder because of I felt like they needed depth. Like, if there was any way they could have kept Dennis Schroeder, alongside with having Derek White. You know what I'm saying? They would have had a lot of a lot of more wiggle room come postseason times in terms of, you know what I'm saying, what you can throw out there in the rotation if you're Udoka. But, man, they're playing so well. Their fourth quarters have been great their last, like, 15 games in terms of net rating. So, man, I just got to give kudos to the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's playing well. You still need to get inside a little more like we talked about before, you know, working that mid-range game because he's bigger than most defenders that, you know what I'm saying, guarding him. So if he can just work that inside a little bit more, him and Jalen, it'll really open up their outside game. Yeah, the Celtics were a team early on in the season where it was uh, it was like a minefield trying to bet them because they would be, you know, short favorites against a team they probably should beat. And they would get like blown out. Uh, They wouldn't win. It would look terrible. And then they would be underdogs to a team and they'd win that game. So it was really like you just never knew what type of Celtics team you were going to get. And you were thinking, you know, they have Jalen Brown, they have Jason Tatum, they have to figure something out. These are two of one of the better players in the NBA, and they can't figure it out. Well, they mid-season now, they're figuring it out. So the Celtics may be one of those dangerous teams on the back end of the season that kind of come out of nowhere 
and suddenly they're a fourth seed, and you're like, oh, this this team is not someone you want to see in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I am denying. Uh-oh, what's your denying player? I already kind of spoke about this, so I'm not going to say it again again, but I'm denying the 76ers actually working out with Harden and Embiid. <laughs> because if they do work out, it's going to be going against the complete history of how James Harden has been as a player. Everywhere that he's gone, went to, to the Rockets to try to, to play with Westbrook. Didn't he work out. He went, work. To the, went to the Nets to play with KD and Kyrie. Didn't work out. So now he's going to be going to Philly, and he think it's going to work out with Joel Embiid? It's not. It's Ooh. not going to work out. Let and I'll sit you, here. Let the people know I'll, how you feel. I'll sit here if the if the 76ers go on and win the finals. Is this a re? This is the reintroducement of overreaction. Or no? Let me let me know what this is. <laughs> I just I'll sit here and 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 say how big of a dumb idiot I am for saying this wasn't going to work out if they go on and win the finals. But man, I I just don't see it. Success has never followed James Harden. I, I don't think it's going to continue. You, you're not lying right there. You know what I'm you so I'm denying not. that. I'm denying it working out in Philly with this. What are you denying? What am I going to deny? Mm, I, you know, I got this bone to pick. I got this bone to pick. Being in, you know, it ain't even got nothing to do with X's and O's for real. Mm. It's us. You know, the, the people that, you know what I'm saying, we represent, the, the media, right? We would include ourselves as part of the we media. We are the media. Ooh. You know what I mean? So, like, I got, Sorry, a problem everybody. With, um, I got a problem with the NBA media in terms of coverage and how everyone goes about covering the NBA. And it's, and it's becoming very lazy. And I am not too profound of that. because Because instead of talking about the Los Angeles Lakers – Time after time again, when that's a team that's clearly not in any great shape to succeed or, you know, be the team standing come late May and June. So there's no reason to be talking about them every single day. But I can tell you a team you can talk to talk about the team that plays in that same arena. Now, you might ask, well, why would we talk about them if they don't have Quan Paul George? That's the exact reason why you talk about them, because they're doing an exceptional job, Ben of staying the course and staying afloat, the GM, they're making all these moves. They're not only playing for, for right now, but they're playing for the future. That's something you can talk about. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the Los Angeles Clippers being next year with their two guys back, with the guys they've added, you can't tell me that ain't a team that's better than the Lakers. Currently, right now, the way the Lakers stand on their roster, right? Yeah. You got a, you got a team like Phoenix. Phoenix is playing exceptionally well. I just feel like they don't get enough love. Memphis, yep. not enough love. Oh, Chica- yeah. Chicago, no Zach Levine from time to time. No Lonzo, no floor general. And they're still getting it done. There's just more ways to talk about the NBA than just the lazy, oh, the Knicks, Lakers. Like, bro, the Knicks suck. What you just say? Bro, the Knicks are terrible. Bro, anybody trying to talk about no Knicks, man? Miami Heat, number one seed. I don't even <laughs> like Jimmy Butler. But you can talk about Yeah, we don't hear anything about the Heat. Sixth man of the year going to be Tyler Hero. He's heavy favorite. No talk. No talk. So, man, yeah, man, I just, I don't really like, you know, I don't like the, the, uh, the coverage of the NBA, if you will, from the media. And I think we all need to do a better job of that. And I feel like we do a good job. You know what I'm saying? We held it down for Oklahoma City, you know what I'm saying, on this We podcast. did. 
Right, well, you should make it a segment, one of the um, the uncovered gems or something like that, where we every week we'll we'll put a spotlight on a team or a player people aren't talking enough about. Make you make the listeners uh, make the points of the painters sound really smart in their NBA conversation with friends. Be like, hey, hear about that guy Josh Giddy over there in Oklahoma City, two straight triple doubles, youngest player ever to do that. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Oklahoma City has two million draft picks in the next seven years. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> All right, let's go to our interviews. We'll start with uh, Spencer Davies talking Cleveland Cavaliers and a little bit about that Oklahoma City Thunder team. Let's welcome back a special guest on the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. He is the host or one of the hosts of Keeping It 94, the podcast. Make sure you check that out. It's a great podcast. He is also an editor of the basketballnews.com. Make sure you check out all their great work around the NBA, around the association. Tons of great writers over there. Love checking everything out. But first and foremost, let's just welcome Spencer Davies back on the podcast. How you doing, man? Zach, Ben, great to be back on, man, and All-Star Weekend's right around the corner here. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I know you got to be excited because it's close to home. You know, you're right there. And so one of the first things I want to ask is you being, you know, in Ohio, what has impressed you the most about the Cleveland Cavaliers and how well have they impressed you? Uh, it's just the camaraderie about the team, honestly, man. Um, it's one of those things where the cliche is the reality. Uh, it's, it's all about the team. Uh, everybody's selfless. Uh, the environment itself has just kind of organically been built, and they've added some great pieces along the way. Obviously, you see what happens. They're bringing in Karis LeVert. You know, they brought in Rajon Rondo a month ago um, to fill in some holes that obviously have been left by Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton in their injuries. Uh, but they've not taken a step back, and uh, they've found ways to kind of plug those holes a little bit. And uh, you're seeing what Darius Garland's capable of as the lead man. His usage has gone up, and He's setting up teammates left and right, lobs and kickouts, and he's doing his scoring as well. His his volume of shooting has just been unbelievable lately, uh, just taking the the mantle of the offense. And then mm-hmm. you look at the other all-star that the Cavs are going to have, too, in Cleveland uh, by replacement. The news that came out yesterday, James Harden getting replaced by Jared Allen, uh, well-deserving as well. Just uh, the defensive uh, versatility that he's shown, the rim protection, uh, the rebounding and, of course, just the energy that he's brought on both ends of the floor. So, um, you know, those are the two guys. But, I mean, we could talk for, for hours about what each of these players have done for the for the Cavs when you look at, you know, Evan Mobley and how impressive of a rookie season he's had, uh, not only just defensively in the, the ground he covers and the way he's able to switch one through five, but at the same time on the offensive end, putting it on the floor and, and being able to score offensively, setting up teammates almost like a point forward, uh, he's been tremendous. Kevin Love off the bench, being in the conversation for the sixth man of the year. And it, it's easy Ain't to just something. forget. <laughs> it's easy to just forget uh, these these people and these players that have contributed along the way. Jetty Osmond, I mean, sometimes in the past he's been known as being a very streaky streaky player, but he's been pretty damn consistent this year, whether it's been in the starting lineup or off the bench. Uh, Dean Wade stepping in for Lowry Markinen while he's been out with an ankle injury. You know, like it's these things. Lamar Stevens, the heartbeat of the team, uh, the junkyard dog uh, name creator. You know, like it's just it goes down the list. It's impossible not to name everybody. Um, And uh, if I miss somebody, I apologize. But uh, it's just been that way uh, the whole year. And it's been real fun to watch. Isaac Okoro. See, right off the the top of my head, the defensive way that he's impacted the team. So 
I know that's a long-winded three, four-minute answer, but it's truly oh. how it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy, to, the guy to lead them all, J.B. Bickerstaff, I just looked. He's second in Coach of the Year odds um, that I was looking at, which makes sense with how good the Cavs are playing. What has he done this season, either differently or better, that has made an impression on these young guys on the team? He's just not been able to – he's been able to just kind of be himself. And uh, I think that's what the, the players appreciate the most is is – that they can connect to JB and that they can trust JB. That's that's the, the level of trust, knowing that he's going to put them in a position to succeed. Um, if something's not working, then then he'll change something up. Uh, but he's also very, very, very high and and believes that th- this team is one of the best in the league. And the, that kind of attitude permeates throughout this roster, which makes them so dangerous because at the beginning of the season, they were even talking like this. Darius Garland, when he was asked about how many teams they beat that were over 500, and he's just basically like, well, yeah, we're one of those teams too. And uh, they just kind of had this nice. this mindset the whole year. And it does. It starts at the top with the coaching staff and obviously with Kobe Altman there in the front front office, uh, newly named president of basketball operations, and rightfully so. Um, but they've, they've put together this, this kind of perfect match and this perfect fit of young talent that's supplemented by veterans that are, are teaching them along the way. Now, with head coach Bickerstaff, this is something that I've kind of noticed with him early on in the season. He rolled the ball out with three bigs, Evan Mobley, Lloyd Marketing, and Jared Allen. When you first saw that, what was your initial reaction when he first rolled the ball out with three bigs? It's different. <laughs> it's different. Uh, I didn't think that Lowry Markkinen would be able to keep up with some of the guys that were playing the three, especially knowing how small ball works. Uh, a lot of these coaches go to three guard sets. So I was like, how's Lowry Markkinen going to keep up with someone like a Zach Levine or a DeMar DeRozan or what have you, right? Um, but the thing is, Evan Mobley is so mm. good at covering ground and he's so rangy that it's worked. And Jared Allen is so good at getting in people's ways to make them shoot over the top in the paint and not being afraid to get dunked on because he's blocking every other shot that he's not, <laughs> that that works. So now Lowry Markkinen has the ability defensively to kind of gamble a little bit and kind of be more aggressive on the defensive end, which has also allowed Isaac Okoro to be that way as well. So it kind of trickles down. So that's, that's just kind of the way that they've stuck with this and again, as I was mentioning earlier, Dean Wade, when Lowry Markkinen has been out, has just fit right perfectly into that that uh, small forward spot and basically done the same stuff on the, the defensive end. Offensively, there's there's obviously some inconsistencies there, and that's where Lowry Markkinen's missed the most because he can stretch the floor. Uh, he's able to put it on, and he's able to to actually be pretty aggressive. I don't know if you've seen, he's had actually a couple of poster dunks this year. Yeah, I saw um, a couple. But, you know, Dean's been a solid placeholder while Lowry's been out. But uh, just going back to, to three seven-footers, it's unique. You know, it's something they're calling tall, tall ball. Uh, his his philosophy at the beginning of the year, JB's, was that size and skill is going to be the thing that leads them to the most success. And uh, even though it was a little bit unorthodox, that was going to be the way that they were going to try this out. And, you know, they tried it last year. Uh, out of necessity with Andre Drummond and JaVale McGee, but obviously they don't have the skill sets that 
Evan Mobley and Lowry Markkinen and, and Jared Allen possess. They're more of your traditional bigs. These are more versatile big players and uh, are able to kind of work off of one another. And it's been the perfect fit since. I mean, if I can give you examples, like Evan Mobley, somebody who's able to stretch the floor a little bit, but he's also somebody that is able to kind of use his handles to get by and to put his shoulder down and, uh, you know, do the traditional pull-ups and, um, you know, sometimes they'll take threes and whatnot. Well, Jared Allen, he's using more of post work. You know, you're getting him down in it to entry passes. Um, both of them obviously can finish lobs, but these are different things that, that these bigs offer as far as the skill set goes. And Lowry's completely different all the way around as well. So I think that versatility and that um, uniqueness is what makes it work. I want to ask you about Colin Sexton because we saw him go down for essentially the year. Cavs still play pretty well, Mm. obviously. They're playing well without him. Where does he fit in this team? And honestly, a more important question, does he fit with this team kind of in the the long term? Yes, and uh, it's funny because once the Cavs went out and got Karis LeVert, that was the first signal of, oh, this is interesting because he kind of fills that Mm. role, right? Because Karis is that go-to scorer when you need a bucket and nothing else is being generated or he's somebody that's going to go and get it, get to the line pull-ups for mid-range. If you watched Karis Levert over his, you know, first three games with the Cavs, first three, four games with the Cavs, you'll see a similar shot profile to, to Colin Sexton. But here's the thing. You can never have enough scorers. You can never have enough guys that can break guys down individually to get to the rim and to score. Scoring is very important despite what's, you know, the opinion of NBA Twitter. Um, <laughs> even if it isn't in an official way. But the thing is, guys, when Colin was playing with Darius Garland at the beginning of the season, he was getting his points efficiently. He was taking more threes. He was able to play off the ball, especially with Ricky Rubio. So these are things that obviously you can use. And if you if you get deeper at that position, it's only better. Now, are the Cavs going to be able to match the offers that are going to come his way in the summer? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see if the inter- injury impacted how much these teams are willing to pony up for him. Uh, but I do know that the Cavs want him back, and I know that Colin Sexton wants to be back as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how it works out financially. But the interest is absolutely there uh, on both ends, and it should be because, you know, Colin was one of the first people that was a part of the start of this rebuild. Um, he just didn't have the best of luck to start this year, and – ended up going down and, and just kind of derailed things uh, as, as far as him being on the floor. But, I mean, Darius wants it back. Did you hear him on Draymond's podcast? That That's a team that loves uh, what Colin brings to the table. They love his attitude, and he's different. He's different he than different. a lot of the other guys. <laughs> and so what I want to ask is, okay, they got Colin. So let's say he does come back, which I think he – I believe he does. So let's say he comes back. And they got Garland, and they still got Levert. And you got Levert this season going into the playoffs. So the first thing is, how far do you believe they can go right now without Colin Sexton and having Karis Levert? And then if they don't go as far as you believe, what do you see this team even next year? So to start with the first part, uh, I think this is a team that's playing with house money right now. Um, you know, you're you're going into the All Star break. You're in the top four. Uh, you're still fighting for that number one seed because the East is just this giant cluster, you know what? <laughs> so, uh, like, they they know that they're 
in the, the driver's seat right now and their schedule softens. There's, they have one of the easier remaining schedules because they've already gone through the gauntlet. Um, I think that they could definitely get to a second round. We'll see what the matchups entail. Right. That is the most important, obviously. I think the, the times that you see this, the Cavs struggle are when Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are met by a, an imposing big. Like a, a somebody who can kind of out physical them, you know, like a Steven Adams or um, like a Nurkic, you know, like you saw what Embiid was able to do on Saturday um, against those guys. And I mean, granted, Joel Embiid might be playing the best basketball in the NBA right now, but those types of archetypes, those types of centers, I think, are the ones that they struggled the most. Uh, if they're rebounding and stuff, they're, they're good. But um, there, there tends to be some t- types of issue there. And then secondly, too, you don't want Darius Garland having the ball in his hands at like a, a 40% usage. You want the ball to be popping around. You want guys' uh, bodies moving. When this team has that stat sheet with seven or eight guys in double figures, they're nearly impossible to beat. That's that's just the way – what I've watched this year, no matter who they've played, um, you know, they take care of the basketball. They're able to defend. Like That's the thing, too. When this team doesn't have it going offensively, they just, uh, they can, they, they just clamp down. That's that's again what I mentioned with wow. Lamar Stevens. They call themselves the junkyard dogs, like because <laughs> that that they've won five or six games like that this year where they didn't execute down the stretch, but defensively they were able to just lock guys up, and that that's what's going to take them to the next part. And that's what I think is huge in the playoffs too, because we see in the playoffs the game slows down, it's more deliberate. You know, teams are running more half court. So offensively, yeah, you have concerns there a little bit with the Cavs. The bodies aren't moving, and you see a little bit of hero ball here and there. But defensively, no worry whatsoever. And then the second part of your question there, uh, Zach, uh, I think that there's a way you can make it work uh, by bringing all of them back uh, with Karras and and Colin. Colin, they obviously have the restricted free agents. uh, You know, he's going to be able to be matched uh, by the Cavs in, in whatever offer. Uh, he's also going to be able to take a qualifying offer if he feels that's the right way to go uh, and bet on himself in the, the summer coming after. Uh, Karis Levert, he's eligible for an extension. So this is a chance for the Cavs to see if he could be a long-term fit uh, mm. next to Garland and next to this core, uh, even though he's a little bit older than some of the core guys' ages because a lot of this Cavs team is in that 21 to 24, 25 years old range. Karis would be you know, the vet at 27 right now. Um, but I know that they've liked his game for a while. They wanted to get him in that package last year uh, when the James Harden trade went down, um, just couldn't get him. But now that they have him, you're building something here. You're building mm-hmm. a legitimate, mm-hmm. talented team that's sustainable uh, with a core and with a, a somewhat clean cap sheet. So I see no reason as to why they couldn't do both. And you're getting the audition from Karis here uh, over the next few months. Right. All right, two final questions for you, both non-Cavs related. But I wanted to ask you about Josh Giddy because this guy has just been unbelievable. Two straight games with a triple-double, youngest player to ever do it. Yeah. And he's he's been, like, stashed in OKC, so he's kind of been away from a lot of people's vision in terms of just watching the NBA. What's, like, your take on him? What do you see his ceiling being? Because now we're starting to actually see people pay attention to him and say, like, this guy's 19, he's pretty special. Absolutely. And I don't know if you saw my eyes light up when you said Josh Giddy. That made me really happy because I yeah. did a profile on him uh, before the draft. I actually spoke with him and I, I spoke with some uh, of these people close to him from the NBA Academy. 
and they were telling mm-hmm. me about how much uh, he had that kind of it factor at that time when he was so young. Um, you know, obviously he could have gone through that you know, same path to go over to, um, you know, do the, uh, you know, college or, or whatever to get eyes on him. But he went over to the NBA, NBL. He did the Adelaide 30, 36ers thing as part of the Next Stars program. Uh, you see a lot of talent coming over from Australia now. Dyson Daniels, the next guy in line, uh, playing with the G League Ignite right now. But uh, Giddy, just as far as his game goes and just watching him, he's just He's just really smart. Uh, I don't know flow, if you noticed. Right? It's, just, it's just the flow of it. Have you seen the guy throwing an inbound pass? Like, it, it, it's simple, stuff as simple as that. Uh, you yeah. know, he's he doesn't have the best, like, shot from deep right now. It's not consistent. But he's able to break guys down. He's got great vision. Like, if he's driving on one side of the court, he can just kind of throw it opposite side, find some shooters that don't knock down shots because the Thunder can't <laughs> shoot. You know, like... <laughs> but but it's these things he's able to set up his teammates. He's able to crash the glass uh, defensively. Obviously, he can bulk up, bulk up a little bit. But geez, the kid's you know nineteen twenty years old. I mean, what yeah, else do you man. want? Um, but it's it's something to be able to take that mantle of being the first graduate of NBA Academy to go number six overall to get to the NBA and to be doing the things he's doing. He's won two uh, rookie you know player of the months in the Western Conference. Yeah, uh, he is just—he's, you know, he's leading this team, and this is good for his growth because while you hate the injuries, you hate to see Shea Gilgis Alexander on the sideline, uh, you hate to see Dort miss any time when he does, but then you get to see Giddy with the keys in his hands and kind of up the usage a little bit, and you're just a little freaked. You're like, a little oh, impressed. This is, oh. this is interesting. Like <laughs> he's just got this, this smoothness about his game, and that's what I like about Giddy the most. Man, it almost feels like I want to make like the OKC makes the finals prediction in the next like six years type of thing, just because how much young, <laughs> how many young players they have and how good Giddy could be. I like him. I like him. You know, like Dort's been outstanding since Shea's been out. Uh, maybe yeah. that's something where he can find, uh, you know, his shot, his aggressiveness. Uh, and for three kind the of, other night, though. He's three yeah, for three. <laughs> mix it in between with with Shea and Giddy. You know, I think Darius Baisley yeah. still has plenty of time to develop. Um. You know, he's just kind of trying to find his the, the right usage for him. I think that once they get, you know, a, a, a solid young big uh, that they can, you know, go places. I'm interested and intrigued by Trey Mann, who's had a couple of games where he's dropped near 30 points. Like uh, it, the, the the consistency is obviously the thing that takes the longest. You can ask the Cavs about that. I mean, it took the Cavs like three years to get three, four years to get into this position. Um, but it would also take veterans for the, the Thunder to acquire. Like, you need veterans. You can't just have a bunch of, you know, 19, 20-year-olds mm-hmm. running around the joint. Uh, <laughs> it just uh, doesn't work like that. But uh, I watch the Thunder a lot. You know, I still hold out hope for, for Poku. Uh, you know, he's up and down between the, the Blue and the Thunder. Uh, I want to see him get a rotational spot because he intrigues me. Uh, there's just a, there's a lot of young talent that makes you scratch your head and be like, hmm. If that one worked out, maybe this could happen, you know? So yeah. I, I pay attention to the Thunder a lot, actually. They're a fun team. Fun Definitely team. Well, fun team. Spencer, appreciate you coming on, talking Cavs and Thunder now, too. Maybe we'll we'll have to talk more Thunder once they get even better in the 20 million draft picks that they have in the next couple <laughs> yeah, of years, Sam too. Sam Presti stashing them all. <laughs> he ain't going to use them. He ain't going to use them. <laughs> no. Well, where can people find your work? Where can they find you on Twitter? 
Yeah, it's basketballnews.com. Uh, guys, we just had an amazing week uh, covering the trade deadline. Now we're going to have oh, yeah. a more amazing week covering All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. It's in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. Stoked Woo-hoo. to be you know, in the area and, and talking to everybody and, and hopefully networking. But, yeah, basketballnews.com is where it's at. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a podcast network with tons and tons of uh, amazing, amazing stuff to listen to obviously our film breakdown is second to none nikaias duncan mark schindler i'm Matt trying Issa. to get him he got a reason i'm trying to get with him trying to get he, with him Spence. He's a popular guy these days man it's a, he, he he, he's on the up and up let's say like you got to use that little emoji with the graph just going up <laughs> but yeah basketballnews.com features interviews film breakdowns uh if you want my twitter i'm at spin davies same handle for instagram and uh again they mentioned it but keep it at nine four podcast uh, it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure to leave a comment, rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Yes. There you go. Have some fun at the all-star parties. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> if there are some. Relax. If there are some. But, if there are uh, some. I will, I will, I will enjoy it. I will enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Appreciate Spencer coming on. Always. Mm-hmm. He's always a good guy to talk to. He knows he a lot. Likes to flow. The man knows basketball. He, he likes to flow. He likes Josh Giddy. He liked the flow. Hey, uh, look, you were saying you ain't like the flow before the show. It looks you know goofy. I, I, I like the Josh Giddy flow when he up the court. And it's, it's so crazy because you've been a little hypocritical. No, no, you've been a little contradicting. Oh, I'm being hypocritical. Have you seen my Not hypocritical. No flow. No, you're being contradicted because yo, one of your favorite players. We talked about it already. Now I'm just dropping it on the podcast. Steve Ash, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With the hair flipping it back, look at yeah, doing yeah, all that. Yeah, he had some that. greasy hair back in the you know day. Yeah, so you gotta, you got, he feeling like Nash when he out there with his flowing like that. You know what I'm saying? You see how he did the Knicks. You see how he did the Knicks. Yeah, listen, I, I want to say this: no one will ever repeat <laughs> Steve Nash's look. That was a beautiful combination of flow <laughs> and greasiness. It was the perfect balance of both. It looked great oh on the court. Always God. got real sweaty, and he's always swiping it back behind his ears. Like, that is mwah, that's peak Steve Nash right there. So maybe <laughs> if Giddy gets to a point, maybe he's mid-20s, his hair starts to get a little bit thinner, we'll start seeing a little bit more of that Steve Nash look. But right now, it's just a big puffball of hair. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll go to Cam Smith. Talking everything NBA All-Star Weekend. All right. We want to welcome in our good friend, Cam Smith, host of Inside the Association, co-host of Live on the Line, all on stadium. Cam, how you doing? I'm good. Listen, anytime I'm back on points in the paint, I'm home, man. So There you go. Let them know. (laughs) My dog, Ben Jerome. Ah, yeah. yeah, we got to, you know what? I found oh, out today, man, is Jerome. So forever, he's going to yeah. be not even just Ben. He's going to be Ben Jerome, man. So, you know, you got to lean into it, I guess, at this point. <laughs> you you got to watch some Martin to really pick up and really get that good feel for that Jerome Rome. It'll be really in your heart, man, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll do a little little book report on Martin. I'll come back to you with that. <laughs> Um, so Cam, we're having you on talk all-star weekend. That's coming up. Um, a lot of events, of course, and this is going to be the first kind of like regular feeling all-star game since the Chicago one. Cause last year's, as we were talking in Atlanta, it didn't feel quite right. Cause they moved locations and COVID and everything. So what are you looking forward to for this weekend for the all-star weekend? You know what, man? It's all-star Saturday night. Like that is always what I've looked to look forward to as a kid. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember the dunk contest and what they were back in the day. Of course, everybody remembers when the All Star Game was um, was out in Oakland. 
um, with Vince Carter and Steve Francis and that whole dunk contest in 2000. Like I vividly remember being in my parents' living room. I'm taping All-Star Saturday night because at the time, my brother had a, a game, a basketball game, so he couldn't make at, make it at home to watch. So I'm videotaping it, and, like, it was ridiculous. Like, I couldn't text him to let him know what was going on because, one, right. he had practice, and two, more importantly, like, you couldn't text back then. So it was, <laughs> what I was witnessing was crazy. So it, All-Star Saturday night just carries a different energy um, from the dunk contest, as I mentioned, but then also just over the years of what the three-point contest has been, especially since the arrivals of Steph and Clay, you know, the Splash Brothers. So um, just like all the different events, like the Skills Challenge has developed into its own little thing, right? When it initially started, it wasn't so much of – drama and then like all of this emotion that you see it as it as it as it is now um so they just do a good job the nba does of of planning all-star saturday night and putting the right people in place to to have them shine so for me i think i would probably say the dunk contest is my favorite event on saturday night and it sounds like it is yours too but the three-point shootout you know Who's your sleeper in that in that contest? You know, who do you got your eye on to really, you know, knock it down for you this weekend? You know what, man? It's it's so many names that you can go with, like Desmond Bain, looking at his numbers to from three, and he's just like super confident when he shoots. Luke Kennard is Luke Kennard. We know what he does from behind the arc. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is a surprise. Yeah. I'm like pussy buddy on him. Not really my dark horse, just because I'm not sure if Cat will be able to his shooting motion, if he'll be able to kind of get through the racks and develop a rhythm, because it takes him a little time to kind of get that shot off. It's a little more mechanical as opposed to someone like maybe a Desmond Bain or Luke Kennard, maybe a Zach Levine, of course, Trey Young. Like it's more, it's more fluid when those guys shoot the basketball. Carl might take a little, little more time. Um, with all that said, though, the one name that I have not mentioned, and this is my dark horse, is Mr. Bet on Yourself. Fred Van Vliet. Okay. If it's, if it's somebody that's, that has some kind of Chicago or Chicago area connection, I, I got to ride with him, man. So I think Fred is a dude that, of okay. course, we all know that um, really uh, has been, uh, as as I was speaking to Shams earlier today when we did Inside the Association, he was mentioning that, that Fred is one of four undrafted players in the modern NBA or the modern game um, to become an all-star. Right. And of course, he got his money, he got his bag just because he's a great performer. But also he's one of the best in the NBA when it comes to knocking down threes, like shooting them at a 40 percent clip. So I think Fred is a dude that once he catches rhythm and I talked about the shooting mechanics and the motions and it has to be so fluid. He's a dude that has that fluid shooting motion and can knock it down. And he could be the, the dark horse for a lot of people. Okay. So you're on you're on live on the line. So we have to mention betting. Are you going to be thinking about betting anything with All-Star Weekend? Obviously, the totals sometimes get pretty high in the All-Star Games or betting any of the winners, anything like that. You know what? I might jump into the totals because it's the All-Star Game. Nobody's playing defense. (laughs) You got some of the best players, more importantly, scorers in the entire world on one stage. And so when they get into that rhythm, like, you know, you got Steph out there, you got Braun, you got Giannis, Devin Booker, like Trey Young, like the names just go on and on and on. And they're not trying to hurt anybody out there. Um, they're just going to be kind of getting up bucks and points. So I will take the over on the total points. Um, yeah. I believe it's set at 318 and a half. Um, 
I saw from one. Wow. Uh, it's <laughs> crazy, but then it's not because, again, it's the all-star game. Nobody's checking the defense. Nobody's checking anything, period, uh, when they step on the court. So I think that's one thing I'll be betting on, of course, um, when it comes to the three-point contest, as I mentioned, when that comes out, um, the dark horse of Fred Van Vliet. I want to see what his uh, what his numbers look like, you know. Um, if he's at plus money, I'm jumping on that quick. Like, I'll have my, my thumb, like, right over. <laughs> Hovering right on it. Just waiting to see that plus next to Van Vliet's name. So, yeah, those areas I'll definitely be betting on. Um, dunk contest, not too much because I just want to take in what the dunk contest is. Yeah, um, me I mentioned, like, that's always my favorite event for All-Star Weekend, especially All-Star Saturday night. So I just want to be in the moment, right? You know, we live so much through, like, social media and our phones and all that, but All-Star Saturday night is just like, dunk contest happens, don't talk to me. If you don't know what's yeah. going on, don't say nothing. If you need help, I'll help you, but I'm not going to be talking that much because I'm trying to stay locked in to what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, yeah. You got a dunk contest favorite? Like, who you, you got a favorite right now? Listen, the young boy Jalen Green okay. is somebody that many, many, many people need to be picking for this dunk contest. Like, I get, like, it's it's just a guards contest. So the smaller you are, the better you're going to look when it comes to dunking. So Cole Anthony, we know he can get up. He can do some things. I'm not sure on how creative he is in that type of space, but maybe he has some things up his sleeves. Of course, he has has had some time to kind of think about what he's going to do since he announced that he'll be a dunk contest participant. But I just think with Jalen Green, with his size at, like, 6'4", maybe 6'5", just aesthetically, how he looks and what he'll be able to do in the air with his vert and just with yeah. his creativity. He got, he's gotta be the dude that you gotta pick. And more importantly, like he got the young legs. He's a, he what, 19, 20, maybe? <laughs> like he's a young dude. So he doesn't know any better. He's just going out there trying to have fun and make a name for himself. So Jalen Green is definitely my favorite. Who do you think is going to win the new Kobe Bryant MVP award for the All-Star game? I'm glad you brought that up, Zach, and talking about mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant MVP award because I think the selection is going to be a guy that everybody was comparing Kobe to during the NBA Finals. Um, and, of course, he came out and said, like, look, I admire Kobe. I draw inspiration from him, but please stop saying I'm the next Kobe compare <laughs> me because I'm not that. And so that person is Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker is going to be a dude that um, can open a lot of eyes. As I mentioned, like it's going to be a lot of points happening Sunday night in Cleveland when these teams get on the court. And what is the all-star game? When a dude like knocks down a three or two, keep feeding them, keep feeding them, keep feeding them. And we know Book is a guy that, again, he can knock down shots from crazy distances behind the arc, but then also he can mix it up with the in-between game and get in the mid-range and then get to the bucket and get some quick points. So look out for Devin Booker, especially if he gets off to a nice hot streak, because with the team that he's with, he's going to have a lot of guys that are going to be trying to feed him, trying to get himself off. And look, Book has had 16 30-point games this season in the NBA. You can sprinkle in a few 40-point games. So this dude has been ready. He's like the quiet secret of the NBA of one of the <laughs> scores on the best team in the league. So I think Book has sights. His, his site set on that Kobe Bryant MVP award. This is going to be a good transition, though, uh, with Devin Booker and the Suns. As we go into the All-Star break, what teams, players have impressed you most so far this year? It's, it's got to be the Phoenix Suns, man. I mean, yeah. they've consistently been the best team in the NBA, whether they've had situations with uh, COVID or injuries 
or just little spells where they've gone on small mini slides uh, when it comes to losing. But if you look after that in terms of winning streaks, what they've done against some of the better teams in the NBA has been Phoenix. And right now they've won nine of their last 10, right? They've won five straight and they're winning those games by an average of 14.8 points per game. So like we keep talking about Brooklyn and, and Philadelphia and that whole James Harden, Ben Simmons trade and what they're going to look like and not really paying attention to the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. And then it's the same thing in the West. It was like, okay, well, the Warriors are back. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Clay's back. Like, Steph has some help now. What's going on with the Lakers? What's up with Russ? What's up with LeBron? AD, can they get it together? Tired of it. And, and Phoenix, is, Phoenix is just sitting there like, okay, y'all want to talk about Brooklyn and Philly and the Lakers and Golden State and the young boy John Moran in Memphis? That's fine. We'll keep on getting these wins. And when we see them, they're going to see us. And so that's what their record has been showing all season long, man. So, so, so Ben, it's, it's the Phoenix Suns, man. They, they've really been a team um, that you've got to be worried about because I think that they've gotten better with what they've added in the offseason with JaVale McGee, who, who gives them much-needed size on the front court. And we saw how they struggled, especially like in the NBA Finals, um, with bigger front courts like Brooke Lopez, Bobby Porter, Giannis, when they present those people. So JaVale brings them a, a bigger athletic guy that can defend and also um, get you points. And at the end of the day, he's a two-time champ. So it's for JaVale, it's been there, done that. Um, so that was a great pickup for them. And then just how they're playing as a team in general, like the experience of Cam Johnson and what he learned yeah. from the NBA Finals and him coming back next year. Mikael Bridges, another guy that doesn't get the due that he deserves. But it, I think that they have the mentality and the same thing with Monty Williams, who could be, who should be in the, the coach of the year conversation. If he's not, then the whole list and whoever is a candidate is invalid if Monty Williams is not on that list. But um, what they have been able to do and what they've learned from last year has really helped them catapult themselves into the start of the season and really maintain that throughout. So Phoenix is a team for me. Is there a team you're expecting to make a push the second half? Yeah, of that's what I was going to ask too. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know what? It's, it's, I mean, depending on what conference that you're looking at with the NBA and what's going to happen, right? So um, we know that the East and Zach, you know, we've had these conversations in the office, man, about the East and the West and what conference is better. And you, it's it's the East, like the East has got it. So thinking about that team that has the push that could that could do some things. Atlanta right now, as we sit today on February 15th, 2022, is in the 10th spot. They're in the 10th spot. So watch out for the Atlanta Hawks. I think that's a team that could try and push themselves um, maybe into a top six spot. If they do, it's going to be tough. Um, but I think really the team that I really want to go with is going to be the Toronto Raptors. I think they really could be a team that could get within that top six because right now they're at seventh right behind the Boston Celtics who are in six. And Pascal Siakam has been hooping, hooping. You know when you say things twice, that means it's real, right? So <laughs> Pascal has been hooping, hooping. I talked about Freya Van Vliet, Mr. Bettle himself, and that's my pick for the three-point contest. But just as a whole, what Nick Nurse has been able to do with that group has been phenomenal. Gary, Gary Trent Jr. has really solidified himself in the league as a three-point marksman. So, the Raptors is a team that I can see um, that can make a push inside that top six, but then those those teams outside of the top six, like in Atlanta, who's at the 10th spot, that will be the team that I can see make a bigger push. There are 
a ton of MVP candidates. It's a ton of them. NBA MVP candidates. It's a list now. Whether you want to look in Phoenix, they might have two. Milwaukee, Denver, Memphis, right here in Chicago. (laughs) There are plenty of MVP candidates. Who's your MVP on the season? Ooh, man. I was sold on Nikola Jokic three weeks ago. Mm. No. You hear that, Ben? You hear that, Ben? No. Ben, Joel Embiid, I'm thinking like he came to me in a dream. Like, Cam, are you are you playing with me right now? <laughs> You're going with this dude in Denver? Let me show you some things. So, like, I switched it over to, to Joel Embiid, but then DeMar came to me in another dream, DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> And he and he pulled up he pulled up on me like Debo on a bicycle because you know Debo is his nickname. And he had the whole flannel shirt on buttoned up to the top with the with the Compton braids. I'm like, oh, I already know what this is about. Demar, I'm sorry, bro, but you're gonna have to get my vote. So like I mean and, and and it's really because what he's been able to do with this Bulls team, you look at the scoring production from DeMar DeRozan and what he's doing on a nightly basis. No, three. Look, and that's the thing, right? Everybody, the analytics crowd and community were so big that, you know, of course, like he doesn't shoot threes well and he's all mid-range. And I say this all the time, man. I, I was I was fortunate to be able to go to um, the prestigious five-star basketball camp in Pennsylvania when I was in high school. And the legendary camp uh, counselor and, and owner, Howard Garfinkel, always said this. He always said this, and i never forget it. He would scream it out. He would say, conquer the mid-range game, right? And he had been saying this for decades, but it rings true, right? If you have a mid-range game, nobody, no one can stop you. And we've seen that throughout time, through some of the best in NBA history. Of course, starting at the very top with Mike, with Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade had his run, of course, what Kevin Durant does. Um, just like the names go on and on and on and on and on of guys that have had lethal mid-range games. And DeMar DeRozan is right in that very crowd. He had 40 the other night against San Antonio and just exploded against his team. It was like he continued the DeMar DeRozan revenge tour because he always plays well against his former teams. Since he's been in Chicago, the Raptors, he gives them buckets. The Spurs, he gives them buckets. So I don't know what that flip or that switch is, but it's flipped every time he sees uh, a former team that he's going up against. So he right now he is my MVP choice because, again, his scoring production, but then how he's shouldering the load of this Bulls team and this offense without a Zach Levine who's dealing with some serious injuries, and it has me concerned as a, as a Chicagoan, right, um, of trying to see what this team could be. But if DeMar DeRozan on the second half of the season after the All-Star break is still able to maintain – this momentum, this production that he has scoring the basketball, and Zach Levine continues to struggle with that knee, and the Bulls continue to stay within the top spots of the East. I mean, right now, they're second right behind Miami in the East. Nobody, even myself, predicted this team to be that high. And if somebody said they predicted the Bulls to be that high, you're lying, and I need documentation because that's not <laughs> true. But if they're able to, if they're able to do that, to be number two or number one, and DeMar continues the scoring output without Zach Levine, with a depleted roster, no Lonzo Ball, no Alex Caruso, um, just kind of spotty productions here and there um, from from the, from guards. Um, Ayo DeSumo has stepped up, Kobe White has as well. But you, you got to give that that MVP trophy to DeMar DeRozan. Like, like at the end of the day, and this is what I don't get about 
some of these individual awards, especially when it comes to all-star recognition, is winning matters at the end of the day. So if your team is one of the best in the league, you need to be right there at the top in terms of like these individual awards, whether it's defensive player of the year, MVP, most improved, like all of those things matter. You can't be a playing team or a team outside of the top top 10 or top six really and get some serious consideration for MVP. Like it's invalid. It's an invalid list if you're doing that. So DeMar DeRozan is my pick right now. For MVP. I'm not sure if somebody else is going to come into might my team. change being in three weeks. It might, it it might, might. change. I need to stop, <laughs> stop eating food after 7 o'clock at 8 o'clock. We're eating hot foods and having these wild dreams. But the last thing I had was Roger Rosen pulling up on me on the bike like Debo and saying, Cam, come on, man. <laughs> need that MVP vote. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So, Cam... You know, it's always great to have you on the podcast, man. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find your work and where they can see you on the screen. Oh, you can see me Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern on WatchStadium.com or Valley Sports, your local uh, regional sports networks for Live on the Line at 12 p.m. Eastern. Catch us on there, me, uh, Danny Clubinger, and also my man, Brad Evans, talking about some sports betting and having a lot of fun, a lot of 90s hip-hop and R&B references and movie <laughs> references and everything that you want. So you can That's catch true. me out there. You can catch me on uh, Inside the Association on my weekly show with Sean Sharania and Pat Garrity. And, of course, you can catch me on Points in the Paint, man. Like, this is, this is home. Let him know. Yeah, let him know. Exactly. <laughs> Badger House and Ben Wittenstein, man, a.k.a. Ben Jerome. Like, catch me on, on the platform with my guys, man, and uh, follow me on social media at Cameron Smith. We'll Ian Cameron and connect, and let's talk about these things, and especially All-Star Saturday night, which is coming up this weekend. So it's always love, man. I love being on the show with you guys. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you coming in with the three-man weed for us, man. Hold it down. Yes, sir. <laughs> hit, you with the, hit you with that magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate Cam coming on. We haven't yes, had him sir. on in a while. We haven't, man. And I just, that's why I felt like we had to get him back on. Gotcha. And I felt like it was the right time to talk, talk some all-star talk, you know what I'm saying? Zach Levine, DeRose, and some, some of those boys. Mm. You no, know, he's excited for those Bulls players to be, you know, in that game. And so I'm excited Absolutely. for him. All right. Let's finish it off. You're world famous. Moneyline, play of the week. What is mm. your bet this week? Man, listen. Now, folks, <laughs> oh, no. bear, bear with me now. Been a bit on a slide recently, haven't you? Because, yeah, we ain't been doing too well for the second straight week. We fell short. But that's all right, though. You know what it's I'm right, saying? It's okay. Because you're going to let panic. bygones be bygones. Don't panic. Don't leave me yet. You know what I'm saying? Don't fade <laughs> me yet. Because you know what I'm saying? We still above 500. We 8-6. and six. You know what I'm saying? Two loser streaks. But that's all right. Because, listen, I know I picked this team Last week, and I know they came up short. I know this, but I'm going to pick this team again because it's going to be Thursday. Oh, no. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm going on money line with Giannis. I just have to. You know what I'm saying? Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, no James Harden before the All-Star break, so it'll be Joel Embiid with his two, you know what I'm saying, new teammates. You know, they fitting in over there. You know, so I got to do what I got to do, man. <laughs> got to go Bucks over the Sixers Thursday national televised game. All right. I'll put in the bet. 
And that's what I got to do. You know what I'm saying? I got to roll with the punches. Now, don't be fading me come Thursday, people. Just let me know. If you feel like the Sixers going to win, call the podcast. Leave a voicemail. Let us know. There you go. What a way to end it. <laughs> and that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. I am Zach Badger House. That was Ben Wittenstein. You can also catch my main man, Ben, on Sharp Lessons with Nate Jacobson for all your betting tips and betting strategies and some bets, too, on Stadium.com. You don't want to miss those. My boy Ben will be dropping his NBA bets tomorrow, the opening of the podcast on Wednesday. You don't want to miss that. You want to check that out. Make you some moolah. Got to make you some cheese, right? And you can catch our main man, Cam, that was on the show today on Inside the Association with Sean's Pat Garrity and the crew. They come out every Thursday. Make sure, again, you follow the Points of the Paint podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even subscribe to the channel on YouTube. All of your NFL news during this offseason inside the league's own Michael Felder, Tape Don't Lie, the podcast. Yeah, you want to check that out. And you will hear from us, Zach and Ben, next week.